When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. We need worldwide effort to invest in transformative clean energy projects. Precedent is important, but sometimes precedent is wrong. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top names. They literally rolled back a right that women have enjoyed for half a century. Why change the topic, right? Why why get off into a social war around issues like abortion? The number one issue in most households is, is inflation. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. State laws are changing in the wake of the Roe ruling. Democrats in Washington say they are pursuing legislation of their own. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we follow the evolving legal and political sides of the story in a conversation ahead with Kathy Jennings, the attorney general for the state of Delaware, which has already moved legislation in the wake of Friday's decision. And we'll have analysis from our panel, of course. Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, along today with Republican strategist Doug High, the former communications director for the Republican National Committee. Vladimir Putin targets Kyiv with missile strikes just as President Biden arrives in Europe for the G7. We'll talk about the mission for these meetings, how much patience the world has for a protracted war in Ukraine. With Daniel Fried, former ambassador to Poland, now with the Atlantic Council, Nancy Pelosi puts pen to paper. Another letter to the caucus, this time, of course, in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling on Friday, saying the chamber, the Democrats at least in the chamber, are going to pursue legislation to protect personal data stored on health apps and to ensure the right to free travel between states. As well, to codify the right to an abortion, that might be a heavier lift. We'll see if any of them can see the light of day. While states, of course, conduct some of their own business here, and one of them is Delaware. As we told you, we're going to be speaking with the Attorney General. On Friday, the the day of the ruling, the Delaware House passed a bill strengthening abortion rights and women's health in the state. It's going to the Senate now, one of many states actually moving legislation in the wake of the ruling on Friday. And we're joined now by Kathy Jennings, the attorney general of the state of Delaware. 
Attorney General, thanks for being here. We appreciate your time today. We just want to get a sense of, to start off with the conversation that's happening behind the scenes. Why do you need new legislation if it's already legal to get an abortion in Delaware? Well, thank you, Joe, for having me. And we needed new legislation, which will sail through its final stage in the Senate for the following reason. Delaware has had Roe v. Wade um, as our law of the state for going on three years now. And we have protected people's access to abortion in this state, as well as decriminalizing the crime of abortion in our state, which means it no longer exists as a crime in Delaware. We've also expanded access to abortion services by expanding the categories of medical providers who can provide those services. Mm -hmm. This newest legislation goes even further to protect women who come to our state yep. to seek an abortion, as well as providers who, who provide that service to women from other states. What do, you, what do we the, say when we mean that? What kind of protections? Sure. So the protections are as follows. Women who come to our state to seek an abortion may, in fact, uh, face criminal prosecution in their own state. Okay. Or providers who provide those services in our state could potentially face criminal prosecution depending on the laws of the states that have done away with Roe v. Wade as a protection and have criminalized. We know that as we speak, as many as 11 states have either made it illegal automatically yeah. or um, have heavily regulated it. And so we need to make sure that Delaware is not only a safe place to receive an abortion, but that providers are protected here. And well, how so do you then affect the laws of another state if they want to, uh, for instance, charge someone upon their return? How does Delaware get involved in that? So if the provider in Delaware provides the abortion services, mm -hmm. that provider cannot be extradited to a state that wants to prosecute her or okay. him. How about the patient? And the patient, we believe, has an absolute right to travel to our state under our constitution, and we will protect that right. That is where I, I believe that, that Democratic attorneys general across the country can band together and bring a lawsuit against any state that seeks to restrict the right of that patient to travel to How about a state when that it provides comes, services. Understood. How about when it comes to medication? This is going to be a big part of uh, the debate across the country. I realize it's not an issue in Delaware, but, but it may be uh, in other states. Is it something that you would preemptively act on in, in your state to protect access to medication by mail? Yes, absolutely. We want to protect all forms of medication-assisted abortion in our state, and we will continue to do that. And we want to make sure that in Delaware, in our small state of Delaware, that we have expanded access um, so that people who do come here can receive an abortion and do it not only in a safe manner, but expeditiously as well. And so I've convened a group of providers and advocates throughout our state to talk about these very issues. How do we protect and make sure that abortion in Delaware is guaranteed, safe, and expeditious? 
do you I don't know if you use the term sanctuary state. I'm assuming that you do not as uh, as, as an office holder in Delaware. But that's what people are calling this. Do you I mean do you want Delaware to have that reputation that if if you need this type of service, our doors are open. We want you to come here. Absolutely. We are an access state. And when you come here, we want to ensure that it's safe for you to be here, that you are protected and that you have full access to the array of abortion services that Delaware offers. We are not going to see this, this stunning reversal of a constitutional right that's been in existence for 50 years go away anytime soon. Yeah. Well, and how about so the right we, of interstate travel? Because we, we started our conversation talking about people coming in from out of state. Is the constitutional right of interstate travel under threat? You, you think that it may be, for instance, when you hear President Biden talk about using the full authority of the White House to, to try to keep that from changing. I was so proud when I heard that said by our president, because it's critically important as he said that the federal government play a role in protecting that constitutional right to travel, because that's what's going to happen to women who are in states that now outlaw abortion. They will have to travel to seek access to that service. Mm -hmm. And so the federal government will, will do everything in its power to ensure that people can safely travel to an access abortion protected state and the state governments that stand up for abortion rights will also protect that right. You heard me mention Nancy Pelosi uh, coming into this conversation. Uh, we've heard from the leadership in Washington, and it, it is somewhat predictable, but Nancy Pelosi says Democrats will pr uh, pursue legislation, uh, which a lot of people have written off because I, I'm assuming it would have trouble if, if any chance right now passing the Senate. But is there something that Washington can do to back up what you're doing, the support of the Capitol here for Delaware? I think it's critically important for Congress to act. And I applaud House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, as I always do, because she's brave and she's undaunted in her courage to go forward with To act how, though, on, on codifying the right to an abortion or, for instance, protecting personal data on health apps, which is something that apparently we're going to be debating as well. Protecting that personal data will be critical because you can bet that in states where abortion is illegal, there will be attempts to get at patients' private medical records. And like Delaware, that should be protected throughout our country. The right to travel should be protected. And I know that, that Speaker Pelosi intends to introduce a bill that protects that right. Yeah. And I should mention that Justice Kavanaugh who agreed with the majority, who joined the majority opinion, even he said in his concurring opinion that he believed that women should have the right to travel under our constitution. We're talking with the Attorney General of the state of Delaware, Kathy Jennings, here on Bloomberg Radio. Uh, as you step back from this, as, as the top law enforcement official in the, the state of Delaware, and you look at what's going to be a very complicated patchwork. We're talking about the laws in your state. They're going to be very different laws in other states. There's going to be a lot of confusion. There's going to be a lot of lawsuits. A lot of people could get in trouble here. How are you thinking about this uh, from a rational law enforcement standpoint? I am the top law officer in my state, as many attorneys general throughout the country are. 
we have succeeded when we band together to fight for the rights of people who live in our states. We will get through this and we will protect women in our country. It's going to take all of us acting together, acting in concert to protect what we have always taken for granted as a constitutional right. You have to work with other states, though. You can't obviously be making enemies of other state governments here. How does how does this uh, this this cooperation take place with with you welcoming uh, people from other states, but also continuing uh, to be part of this union? We are a country that is divided. And this issue divides us in a very deep way. I can't remember a time when the Supreme Court of the United States took away a right that for almost 50 years had been guaranteed in our Constitution. And we're going to do everything in our arsenal to protect those rights within our states and protect people who come to the states. Kathy Jennings, Delaware's Attorney General, we thank you for your thoughts today. On Bloomberg Radio, this is Sound On, the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew, not in Washington today, but coming to you from Bloomberg World Headquarters in New York. We turn to the panel next to seek some balance here with Jeannie Shanzano today, along with Republican strategists and former Deputy Chief of Staff to Eric Cantor, former RNC Communications Director Doug High. Back with us, coming up next, we'll check traffic and markets for you too. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. And a big what now in Washington as lawmakers try to figure their role following the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade Friday. Listen to Senator Elizabeth Warren. Before we assemble the panel, she was among the lawmakers uh, making the rounds over the weekend. The Sunday news shows, in this case, ABC This Week. The senator from Massachusetts says she's considered going to President Biden to find out exactly what the federal government can do to help in this case. This is not not the state view, but the federal view. Here's Senator Warren. It also means asking the president of the United States 
to make abortion as available as possible with the tools he has, including medication abortion, including using federal lands as a place where abortions can occur. This is where we begin with our panel, Bloomberg Politics contributor, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano, along with Doug Hayes, back with us today. Republican strategist, former deputy chief of staff to Eric Cantor and former comms director, at the Republican National Committee. Great to have both of you with us here. Jeannie, we've been talking about this, of course, since Friday, and now that you're hearing uh, Senator Warren uh, throw a few ideas around there, for instance, as you just heard, uh, using federal lands as an option, but also the idea of medication abortion codifying that somehow in law. Washington's role may not be over here, right? At least before uh, something greater can happen. Yeah, you know, we're hearing from both the Democrats and the Republicans. And so Elizabeth Warren, one of many Democrats who's calling on the Biden administration to explore those things you you mentioned, also to potentially providing travel vouchers for women seeking abortions to travel to states where they are legal. And, you know, you hear Ron Wyden, Jeff Merkley, a whole group of them, because they really want an all-hands-on approach by the federal government. And of course, on the flip side, you're hearing from Republicans as well. We heard from former Vice President Mike Pence talking about potentially a, a uh, law of the land if Republicans take uh, Washington mm-hmm. that would ban abortion outright. And we've heard that from House members as well. So, you know, we are hearing Washington talk about these ideas and options. The question is always, can the federal government deliver on, you know, Congress and or the administration? And, you know, we have to go back to what President Biden said about this and guns is yeah. that he doesn't have a lot of options at his disposal because his power is limited to a certain extent. Doug, it's good to have you back. We have a story on the terminal today that headlined anti-abortion movement divided. A movement described in this piece by the president of the Human Coalition as thousands of organizations that have very different missions. What exactly does the Republican Party do with this ruling now? Well, it's unclear. There are a lot of directions that you know, the party can do nationally. Obviously, state parties are going to do different things in different states. So right. while, you know, a lot of Republicans Keep it in Washington celebrated. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, well, in Washington right now, you know, the RNC is still right now in a wait and see mode. And they're in a wait and see mode to see what what Biden and the Democrats do, mm-hmm. what Republican governors are, are going to offer as things that they could try and move on a national model. But you also have a, you know, a divide, if not a divide, a disagreement in opinion between you know, Mike Pence, as you mentioned, who wants to push a national um, abortion law and Mitch McConnell, who says that he doesn't want to do so. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you two, two things. One, I've just read that Kamala Harris has taken the, the idea of using federal lands off the table. Um, but I'm also surprised that Democrats have never codified Roe versus Wade into law with a, you know, with a majority in the House and the Senate right now and a Democratic president. You would think that would be one of the things they'd be trying to do. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Jeannie, there's so many different ways to, to look at this uh, and, and so few options, it seems, in Washington. I mean, are we really talking about legislation that would get through the Senate on, on providing public lands, for instance, for abortions? 
Uh, I think it'd be very tough to get anything along those lines um, through the Senate right now. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting, you know, what Doug was just talking about. There was also Asa Hutchinson over the weekend, you know, putting himself in opposition to somebody like Mike Pence saying, you know, look, guys, we fought for a federal approach to this for so long. Let's not move it national. So you're getting a break within the parties as well. And I think the reality of all of this is that we have this patchwork approach to this yeah. now and the people who are on the losing end are the women in need of services who you know it depends on where they're living and how much money they have and what kind of access they have what kind of rights they have and that's going to you know at the very least lead to a host of litigation depending on what the states and if the federal government can act what it does as well senator mitch mcconnell talked about this uh he's not in washington he's actually down in kentucky uh, at the old Rotary Club lunch in Florence is where this conversation took place, speaking to the idea of legislation at the federal level to codify abortion law. Here's what he said. Neither side of this issue has come anywhere close to having 60 votes. So I think this is likely to all be litigated out, dealt with in the various states around the country through the Democratic process. And Doug, if that's what the minority leader says, that's what happens, right? Yeah, a- absolutely. But there's also there's the policy fight and there's the political fight. And you know, before the Supreme Court announcement on Thursday, you know, every prediction was essentially it's going to be a big election year for Republicans. Now we're starting to ask questions of whether or not that that's going to be true or not. And mm-hmm. I think the honest answer right now is probably so, but we're not sure. Um, but Democrats will need to have things to talk about in the upcoming elections that aren't about inflation, rising crime and the border. This is an opportunity for them. And, you know, a lot of the you know, a lot of what we're hearing is crying out for Biden and the administration to do more. Yeah. You're not hearing a lot of what Democratic members of Congress and senators are going to want to do. And they're the ones who are on the ballots. Doug Hyde, Jeannie Shanzano, our panel on a Monday. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The headline on our G7 latest on the terminal, Zelensky tells leaders aid will be needed long term. And it looks like he's going to be getting it. Not only the declaration that I mentioned pledging support for his government in this war effort for, quote, as long as it takes, unquote. But we already know of a specific weapons package that is on the way. Ukraine right now cannot defend itself against all the missiles that are coming in from Russia. And so Zelensky, President Zelensky actually spoke to the leaders of the G7 nations today by video link from Kyiv, which was struck over the weekend uh, by a Russian missile attack, the capital of Kyiv. And so we're going to be sending apparently some much more effective missile defense systems over something that Jake Sullivan talked about, the national security director. Here he is. At the top of his mind was the set of missile strikes that took place in Kyiv and uh, other cities across Ukraine and, and his desire to get additional air defense capabilities that could shoot down Russian missiles out of the sky. And he will, according to Sullivan, senior national security advisor, we're sending medium to long range weapon systems. Specifically, these are missile defense systems uh, that will apparently help Ukraine in the fight here, as Zelensky tells the G7 that he wants the war to be over by the end of the year. We're joined now by Daniel Fried, former ambassador to Poland, has been a very reliable voice and 
generous to share insights with us since the beginning of this war. Uh, former Assistant Secretary of State for Europe, now wiser family distinguished fellow at the Atlantic Council. Uh, Ambassador, it's great to have you back. Will this new weapons package make a difference? We're starting to give them so many now, it's hard to keep track of them all. It's an advanced surface-to-air missile system. It'll help the Ukrainians defend themselves. Today, you had uh, Russian missile strikes on civilian targets. They hit a shopping center, trapping, killing a lot of civilians. This is ugly business. The Russians are using basic terror to try to force Ukraine to surrender. The Ukrainians won't, and the G7 have backed them. I'm glad that we're sending them the sophisticated systems. This weapon system by itself won't turn the tide, but if you add up everything we're sending them, the Ukrainians have a chance on the battlefield. They're resisting, and they can prevail. What does for as long as it takes means? Is that the same as a blank check, Ambassador? It's not a blank check, but what that means is we're not about to let Putin simply outweigh us. There's this sense, sometimes in the West, certainly in Russia, the Russians have infinite patience and we have a short attention span. Therefore, they can win by just sitting tight. The G7 was saying to to Putin, not so fast. We also can stick to a policy. Look, this is not going to be over in weeks. We need to mean what we say when we say that the Ukrainians are fighting our our fight, in a sense, fighting against a, an aggressive dictator. We need to mean that. We need to help them. It's not a blank check in the sense that President Biden has drawn a hard line saying no U.S. troops in Ukraine, no okay, U.S. Sure. planes fighting over Ukraine. But a blank check, presumably, for defensive uh, weapons and assistance. I, I just wonder your thoughts on uh, war fatigue. It's something that... I've been asking everyone today, coming off of last week, the, the nation's attention was, was drawn, of course, to a series of Supreme Court rulings. We're dealing with historic high inflation. We're going into a midterm election cycle at the same time. How long do you expect Americans to support sending billions and billions to Ukraine to support this war effort when we have such historically short memories, Ambassador? I wouldn't shortchange the American people or assume that we're, as a people, irresponsible and sort of flighty. I think that Americans know what's at stake. I think we will support Ukraine. And I think they will. I think Americans, both Republicans and Democrats, are ready to to do so. Mm -hmm. But I did notice one very interesting sentence in the G7 communique. Ah, buried near the end, there was a sentence, G7 is going to think about using some of the $300 billion of frozen Russian reserves that we've locked down and use some of that money for Ukrainian reconstruction. Mm -hmm. Now, that I was waiting for. It didn't mean they've decided to use it, but it does mean, since you raised American needs, I think... G7 countries are going to be tempted to find a legal and sustainable way to do that. Why have taxpayer, U.S. taxpayer money go to repair the damage Russians have made when we've got, we're sitting on $300 billion of Russians? Absolutely. And you know the American people would support it. In terms of the timeline, well, Ambassador, tricky, President... But we could do it. President Zelensky says he wants this over by the end of the year. Is that realistic on any level? The question is, 
not just whether the Ukrainians can keep fighting or whether Western attention span will hold, but whether the Russians can keep fighting. Mm. They've got a lot of problems, too. Their military is not in good shape. They've got production problems in their military production caused partly by U.S. and European sanctions. Uh, Their morale isn't good. The Ukrainians are fighting for their country. The, The Russians are fighting for conquest. Not the same thing. So it's not clear to me that Putin can keep this up forever either. He may be pushing, bluffing, basically saying nothing can stop us. But in fact, he's got some problems as well. If the Ukrainians resist and we help them resist, the Russian offensive may run out of steam, in which case there can be a settlement on much better terms than Putin would prefer. The G7 is not NATO, of course. We're headed to the NATO meetings later this week, Ambassador. I only have 30 seconds left, but is the message the same from Joe Biden? at the NATO summit as it is now at the G7? I think you'll see the president take a strong position on Ukraine. I think you will see NATO take a strong position to resist Russian aggression against all NATO members. Mm -hmm. And that is something we would fight for. So it's been not a decisive week, but a strong week for for freedom, the free world, and U.S. leadership. You have the review from Daniel Fried. Ambassador, thank you as ever. Daniel Fried here on Bloomberg Sound On. We'll reassemble the panel next to get Doug and Jeannie's thoughts on this as we also have a hearing set for tomorrow we didn't know about yesterday. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Looks like the NATO summit later on this week will be a newsy one. As we were just discussing with Ambassador Daniel Fried, the president has a lot to solve here, a lot to figure out as he spends time with his, of course, fellow leaders in this alliance And a a breaker from NBC News here, Biden to announce extension of U.S. troop presence in Poland. Interesting, remembering that it won't be everybody here, but some of the increased U.S. troop presence in Poland reportedly will be extended here. It's also going to mean changes to U.S. deployments in several Baltic nations that he authorized ahead of the invasion of Ukraine. Think Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, the White House declined to comment on the story. Of course, that doesn't start for a couple of days here, so we'll be looking 
uh, for President Biden to make an announcement along those lines later on this week in Madrid, still in Germany at the G7. As we reassembled our panel, Jeannie Shanzano, Democratic analyst, Bloomberg politics contributor, and Republican strategist Doug High is back today, former communications director at the RNC. You know, Doug, they always, well, at least used to say, or in a, in a, in a non-war time, that events like these were great for the commander-in-chief because they allowed him to look presidential. President Biden's had a lot of opportunities uh, to do that, of course, over the last couple of months. How is this one going optically for him? Well, the optics so far, I think, have benefited him. Um, obviously, Democrats are unified um, be- behind Biden. Yeah. Republicans are mixed, but they've been generally um, supportive of Biden. And we, he has the benefit of almost universal American support for Zelensky, which, which certainly helps him as he tries to make a cause. But Biden, know, or excuse me, Putin knows his best asset is time. And as you were talking about, he is playing as much of a waiting game as anything else, as anything else and hoping that he can outweigh weight us. The good news is, you know, it, it appears that the G7 uh, not only remains unified, but is more unified just over the actions that we've seen over the past couple of days, especially with that bombing of the mall um, to be in this fight for the long for the long haul. And the bombing of Kiev. We hadn't seen uh, the capital city targeted like that. Uh, an apartment block was destroyed. Doug, how many more rounds of weapons packages, if that's what we're going to call them, uh, do we get here before people start questioning spending? I know that's not a popular question to ask right now. But as the president gets closer to November, if that coincides with people losing patience uh, for this effort, that could be a major political story. It is. And I, the short answer is we don't know, but we're starting to see some cracks. Hmm. Um, we're seeing more Republicans oppose additional spending um, for Ukraine. And we don't know where that's going to go. And obviously, with a new Congress, whatever that Congress may be, those questions will only increase. What's your thought on this, Jeannie? I know that's not a a conversation that a lot of people are having, but that's why we have it here on Bloomberg. The the president has to know that this is not endless, even though the agreement today, the declaration uh, basically says indefinite support here, right, for as long as it takes. Yeah, it's a critically important question. You know, we had Zelensky talking about, you know, wanting the war to be over by the end of this year. Um, To Doug's point, if the the Russians can drag this on and this becomes a war of attrition. Mm-hmm. They're trading small wins, but there's no knockout punch. And this thing drags on. There does become a chance that there are cracks both in the United States domestically, but also in our relationships with NATO and with the EU. So that it, it's critically important. And it does concern me a bit that there was an end of the year sort of discussion um, as if this thing could be wrapped up. And, you know, one of the questions I've asked repeatedly, as you know, is, is there a political solution here? What is yeah. the end of this? This is a president who promised not to get us into endless war, pulled us out of Afghanistan in a, in a particularly um, problematic way. And yet now he's involved in this proxy war, which seems to have no end and big costs, not just monetarily, but for civilians over there. And so I think there are real serious questions to be asked in the Ambassador's point about the infrastructure end of this mm-hmm. is critically important. They are going to try to use that money to rebuild over there, and right they should. But, you know, there's also the president talking about this build back better world, and that's going to become another critical component of this infrastructure investment, and that's all about 
addressing China and competing with China. So, you know, the infrastructure aspect of this is critically important. I don't know if I can get my head around global infrastructure, Doug. How do you have that conversation right now when we can't figure out our own uh, on, on most days here in the U.S.? No, it, it seems an impossible task. Obviously, they're trying to tackle some tough questions. Yeah. But to Jeannie's point, you know, you, you don't have universal agreement within the G7, within NATO. Obviously, France and especially Germany, you know, have very different um, realities when it comes to what you know, their energy is, um, what they what products they buy, not just not just oil. Fertilizer as well is, is a major exporter from Russia you know, in, into Europe. And so they're they're making and will be making you know, different decisions than the U.S. are. And that's part of, I think, where Zelensky wanting, maybe hopefully, hope, uh, wishful thinking, to have this conclude by the end of the year is, is based on. He knows that time is, is not limitless for him. Do either of you think that'll happen, Doug? I, I don't think so. But also, you know, we, we just don't know. We hear so much yeah. bad news about what's happening to Russia. You know, the, the question for Putin is, you know, how long can he can he last? Is it dangerous to get that in people's heads, Jeannie, that, to create false expectations or false hopes that this is done by the end of the year? I think those red lines are always important. Just ask President Obama. You set them, and the minute they extend, yeah. there is cause for criticism. And I think to your question, the, you know, it's going to depend whether this ends on how much we, the United States, and our allies invest in heavy weapons and all the things the ambassador was rightly talking about. And, you know, it, it, the other wrinkle here is imagine we invest and then one of these things finds its way across into a NATO country. Are we going to respond to that? You know, it's a very dangerous game we are playing with this proxy situation. We've made some tough talk along those lines, too. As we spend a little bit of time uh, left here with Doug and Jeannie, I want to ask you about something we learned about today that fell in our laps, and that's the January 6th hearing we now suddenly have scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, This was not supposed to be the case until we learned Earlier today, the committee apparently uh, obtained evidence and witness testimony that are compelling members now, compelling the leadership of the panel to hold a hearing tomorrow. It's going to happen at one o'clock in the afternoon, from what I understand. And interestingly, Doug, they did not announce the witness or witnesses in advance as they have for each hearing until now. So there's a bit more, I guess, suspense, but certainly more questions going into this than we have seen in the process so far are we going to get a bombshell tomorrow Uh, they're certainly setting the stage for that and um, very clearly they're reacting to something that that's new and one of the things that we've learned from this process all along every every hearing that they've had is the committee knows more than we do Mm. and the committee may know more than donald trump does mark meadows does or you know anyone else who's come up in these conversations so clearly they know more than we do and they've learned something new which makes tomorrow really compelling viewing. You have a sense of this, Jeannie, what you're looking for? I, I thought we were going to take bets on what's going to happen, Joe, <laughs> and we'll try to see who's right. No, you know, I, I think the committee has done a really smart job so far, and this surprise hearing yeah. stunned me today, and I'm sure so many people. Who wouldn't we, they want to announce, though, Jeannie? Does that mean a lawmaker? Does that mean a former Trump official or a family member? 
It, it could. Uh, you know, I uh, my bet would be on this documentary filmmaker, Alex Holder, as yeah, one of those right. people who may appear. I don't know why they wouldn't announce him in advance, though, to mm -hmm. your point. Um, but, you know, the Benny Thompson, at the end of all of these hearings, has been announcing, you know, keep sending us material. And from what we understand, they have been receiving it. Very bad news for Donald Trump because, you know, we keep hearing over and over that Republicans who want to sort of cleanse themselves are talking to this committee and trying to show that there is distance between Donald Trump's attempts to, you know, uh, to, to turn over the election and, and themselves. And so they've they've sort of been going to them and, and confessing to a certain extent. And, uh, you know, we don't know if we'll get more of that tomorrow. That's a good way to be thrown out of the family, Doug. We heard five or six members of Congress uh, supposedly uh, sought pardons from the Trump White House. Is that Maybe where we're going tomorrow, maybe we hear from one of them. Yeah, I have no idea. It's certainly a possibility. And we know that those members have been mentioned now by name. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly they have been engaged with counsel probably more than they were previously. Um, but we know that this could go in any direction. And, and that's why it's, it, it was such a shocker today because we were specifically told there would be nothing until after July 4th. Yeah, that's really, it's amazing. Doug, as a Republican and a Republican strategist, no less, in the middle of a midterm election cycle, do you feel like this is a liability for the party as a whole, or is this, is this a Donald Trump story? It, it's more of a Donald Trump story. Um, you, you know, you may have some individual races that are affected by this, but it's been really hard to identify. Yeah. If you're a Republican, you want to be talking about inflation, the border, rising crime, and nothing else. So it's a distraction. Um, and distractions happen in campaigns and, and political seasons, um, but very clearly. And it's why, you know, following what's just happened at the Supreme Court over the past week is going to be interesting to see, you know, how and if voters kind of reset their thinking on this. Republicans know what they want to talk about. And if it's not one of those top three issues, yeah, right. they'd rather have it have it be left as, left alone. We have so much to learn that uh, if, if someone's telling you they know what's going to happen, don't believe them. As we spend time with Doug High and Jeannie Shanzano, thanks to both of you for a great panel, great insights, and everyone else here on the Fastest Hour in Politics. We'll check traffic and markets next. This is Bloomberg. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.